0: This is the Happen to Your Career Podcast, episode 156.
1: But for me, I like design all right, but I was very interested in marketing. I was very interested in uh, branding and strategy, you know, and other things that were happening at the agency. And I kind of looked ahead at my career path. And as a designer, it's like you're a junior designer. And finally, you can get to a role where you are on that leadership team and involved in the bigger strategy. But it's like a, you know, 10 year journey or more.
0: Hey, HTYCers, if you've been struggling to figure out work that fits you, then join our eight day free mini course. All you have to do is text HTYC to 38470. That's HTYC to 38470 or simply visit figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. See you there. This is Happen to Your Career. We help you stop doing work that doesn't fit you, figure out what does, and then make it happen. Whether you're looking to do your own thing or find your dream job, you've come to the right place. I'm Scott Barlow. This is Scott Anthony Barlow, and you are listening to Happen to Your Career. This is the show that helps you figure out what work fits you by exploring other stories. We get to bring on experts like J.T. O'Donnell, who helps people solve their career problems. And, you know, she provides career coaching courses, all kinds of really good stuff. She is phenomenal. She's an expert. Um, go check out her episode a few episodes ago. Or people that have pretty amazing stories, like Cindy Morton, who you're going to hear on a future episode, who is able to design. Design her own dream job by figuring out her strengths and passions. And people who are just like you that have gone from where they are to what they really want to be doing. And they're people that are just like our next guest. I got to tell you a little bit about my conversation with Laura. I actually met her, geez, I guess about four years ago or so, three, four years ago at an event called World Domination Summit or WDS for those that have heard of it. But she uh, she and I didn't know each other. It just happened to be her birthday and we met really, really briefly. And then uh, several years later, ended up learning a lot more about her story, her business. And we get deep into how getting used to the idea of rejection and actually getting rejected. As part of pitching your, you know, pitching anything that you want to pitch, whether it be a product or service, or to potential clients, or whether you're, you know, pitching uh, to uh, to somebody who could hire you, this is going to help you thrive, either in life or as an entrepreneur, and really being realistic about the work that you do and understanding that what you put in today is exactly what is going to happen for you tomorrow or a week or you know. A month or a year it's the whole reap what you sow type type approach but what you probably haven't heard about that is why and how so we talk about that and then also the benefits of thinking about the worst case scenarios when you decide to take the leap if you're ever thinking about starting your own business and even walking through the possibilities of what could go wrong and coming up with a backup plan this is this is something that Laura does a really nice job describing let me give you just a few more words by way of introduction here because she's she's the founder she's the CEO of a social media software company it's called Meet Edgar we've used it in the past it's a social media automation and repurposing tool for businesses but her evolving career story really starts out by graduating college and taking a job at an ad agency as a designer, and we get into all that. Shortly after taking this job, she realized that she had way more interest than just designing ads and really wanted to be involved in the whole bigger strategy of marketing and branding and also wanted to do a little bit of continued designing too. So she she really weighed all these options of continuing with the ad agency as an account executive and uh, where she's going to have to put in 10 plus years in the agency to really do what she wanted to do. And you'll hear her talk about this here in just a little bit, but then she had a light bulb moment. And that's, that's what I want you to listen to. So here it is, my conversation with Laura Roeder. Hey, and we are back on Happen to Your Career. I am so very excited to be here with, with our guest today. And she, she has just an absolutely amazing story. It's going to be a ton of fun. But I want to say welcome, Laura. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Laura Roter.
1: Thank you, Scott. I'm very happy to be here.
0: Hey, uh, you know, I, I mentioned your story and I do really want to get there. But how do you describe to people what it is that you do now?
1: So now I say I'm, um, the CEO founder of a, a software company, a social media marketing software company,
0: which, uh, which is meet Edgar. And I got to tell you, we, we love that. We, uh, we're one of your customers. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I would say like expand on that a little bit. What is the, what is the, for people that, you know, lean in, in the conversation and they, they're like, Oh, what does that mean? Okay. What, what does that mean?
1: Uh, you mean, what does Meet Edgar do?
0: Yeah, and what do you do? Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, so yeah. So what Meet Edgar does? We're a uh, social media automation and repurposing tool. So what's really different about um, our solution versus others is that you load a library of organized content and you repeat it in perpetuity, Well, Edgar repeats it for you in perpetuity. So with other tools, you have to keep refilling your queue every week, keep scheduling everything. Uh, with Edgar, you know, if you're someone like, like you know, you use Edgar Scott, who has done a bunch of podcasts in the past, or you've written a bunch of blog posts, and they're still really good a year later, and you want to make sure they're going out regularly, getting a new audience, you just load all that stuff into Edgar. And then we like to call Edgar he instead of it. Uh, so he just handles sending them out for you, you know, on your schedule to your social networks every day. So we make social a lot easier, a lot more hands off. And we also dramatically increase uh, your traffic because you make sure that those links are going out all the time. So did that that explain what Edgar does to start with?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Because nobody likes scheduling in perpetuity.
1: Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a real pain. Have Edgar do it for you instead. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And so as far as what I do, so our company is 20 people. Um, We're a remote company. So we don't have an office. Everyone works from their own home or their own co-working space or their local Starbucks or wherever they like to work. Uh, I'm here in Austin, Texas. I have just my own little office that I work out of. And as CEO founder, you know, my job is kind of coordinating, making sure everyone's on the same page that are different teams, helping them solve problems, uh, making sure everyone's moving in the right direction, making sure everyone has the resources they need, you know, managing the financials of the business. That's the kind of stuff that I'm in charge of.
0: That is, that is perfect. But it, but it hasn't always been like that. You, hey. you know, you've got this company now, you've got 20 people, you're in Austin. By the way, I was in Austin, not that long ago. I didn't realize you were there. Yeah. Very cool. Love Austin. Great area. Yeah. But it started someplace else, right? So what, to, what happened that led you up to this? Do we need to go all the way back to the pet rock or the painted rock <laughs> business? Or like, where, where does this start for you?
1: Yeah, so I mean, where it starts for me is really when I uh, started working for myself, and so for me that was when I was 22. So that makes it 10 years ago. Um, I've only had one job. I graduated college, got a job at an ad agency as a designer, and was there for about a year and a half before I quit to work for myself, and I haven't looked back. I've I've been full time self employed uh, since then. But the businesses that I've had and, and the roles that I've had in those businesses. Evolved a lot, and being in this the CEO role that I am now. Um, that's only been for about two years, and even then, you know, it's only this year that I stopped managing marketing myself. So it's it's definitely been an evolution. So yeah, ten years ago, I started working as a freelance uh, web and print designer, and that was my first foray into entrepreneurship.
0: What prompted you to, to make that change then? So you're at the, you're at the ad agency and Mm. you're there for 18 months. What, what led up to you saying, no, yeah, not not doing this anymore. I'm, I'm going this other route.
1: Yeah. So as a designer, I, I found just doing design kind of boring, um, which shows that I wasn't a great designer because I think great designers (laughs) just absolutely love that they just get to design all day. Um, but for me, I like design all right, but I was very interested in marketing. I was very interested in uh, branding and strategy, you know, and other things that were happening at the agency. So I kind of thought, well, maybe I should switch to the account side and be an account executive. And it's like, wow, well, that looks sort of awful, too. <laughs> I don't think I want to do that. And then I looked at, OK, well, staying in the design side, how can I get to this role where I get to be involved in the larger strategy? And I kind of looked ahead at my career path. And as a designer, it's like you're a junior designer and an associate designer and then a designer and then a senior and then, you know, creative director. And finally, you can get to a role where you are on that leadership team and involved in the bigger strategy. But it's like a, you know, 10 year journey or more. So I thought, well, I don't want to wait. I don't want to wait 10 years (laughs) before I get to do the kind of work that I want to do. And it kind of occurred to me, well, if I start working for myself, Um, I'll get to be involved in all aspects of the business because I'll be the only one to do it. So I'll be doing the design work, but I'll also be, you know, meeting with clients and getting contracts and and figuring out all that stuff and helping them with strategy. So that's why I decided to make that leap.
0: How did you do that? Did you, did you go about that gradually or was it literally a leap where it's like, yeah, you know, I'm leaving in two weeks from now and, uh, I'm going to work for myself. How did, how did that, Yeah. So
1: I did not start freelancing first, which is really unusual. And is probably a really bad idea. (laughs) I just, I don't know why I just kind of didn't, I just had it in my head that I was going to quit my job. And and then I would find my clients. Like, obviously, I was really naive. They'll just show up, right? (laughs) Yeah,
0: exactly. On your doorstep.
1: Right. You put that sign on your door that says designer and then they (laughs) they start knocking, right? Um, Of course. So I didn't, I didn't freelance first, which is weird and, and probably not a great idea. What I did is I thought, okay, well, why don't I ask my job if I can go part-time? Because another problem with my job is I was really bored and I didn't have a lot of work to do. So I thought, well, if I go part-time, this will be this great win-win where they'll just pay me part-time. I'll have that security of a part-time job, but I can still have the time to pursue my own thing. So I asked my company if I could do that and they said yes. And then maybe a week before I was supposed to start start, time, start uh, part-time, The owner pulled me into her office and she said, no, I've changed my mind. I remember she said, if you go part-time, everyone's going to want to go part-time. And I thought, well, that would save you guys a lot of money because no one (laughs) has enough work to do and that would probably be a great idea. But, you know, she didn't say it that way. Um, So at that point, I was so mentally set. You know, I'd already had all these dreams of how great it was going to be to work for myself. So at that point, I was very mentally set and I just couldn't go back to to working full-time. So she really um, offered me, uh, a fork in the road of you have to stay at this job full time or you just have to, you have to quit. Um, and so I decided to quit at that point.
0: That's interesting. So kudos to you in the first place for even asking the question of, Hey, how, how could this be possible? Could I go mm. part time? Cause a lot of people wouldn't have asked that or wouldn't have pursued that. And then you got the, <laughs> well, it's not going to happen anyway type thing, mm. but what, uh, what, in what ended up happening from there? How did you, how did you, so you're thrust out in the world because you said I'm, I'm doing this anyway. And it's yeah. not going to stop me. What, uh, what happened from there? How did you go about bringing in your first clients? Uh, since they didn't, I'm assuming maybe they did, but they didn't just show up on your doorstep that.
1: Right. Yes. Turns out that plan does not work. Anyone listening. Don't try, don't try to put the sign on your door plan. <laughs> it will fail. Um, So yeah, I kind of realized, okay, my clients are business owners, they need websites, how am I going to find business owners? So I started looking into, okay, how does one find business owners? So there's lots of resources, like um, cities will have, uh, you know, chapters of women in business, they'll have chambers of commerce, Uh, they'll have kind of different things to help you learn about business and, and help entrepreneurs So I started going to these sorts of things where they had little, you know, free mentorship or mixers or whatever, and also just started going to the the Chamber of Commerce events. So I lived in Chicago at the time. In a big city like Chicago, we'll have a different neighborhood chamber for all of the different neighborhoods in the city. Um, It's a lot of brick and mortar businesses that will join And what I found out is you can go to the events and you can pay like $5 and you don't have to pay the, you know, $300 a year (laughs) that they want you to pay to be a member. Uh, So that's what I would do. I would just go to these events because I'm like, I have to meet business owners. And, you know, I felt very out of place. Most of the people there were in their 40s or in their 50s. I was 22. I looked like I was 15. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, But the good part was, you know, I didn't just find clients, but I, I found, People who would run businesses for a long time, and I did end up finding clients through those venues. But even more importantly, I found, you know, friends and mentors who kind of showed me the ropes of of what uh, running a business was all about. You know, how to manage a balance sheet. I mean, these were all things that I just just learned from scratch right away in the beginning.
0: That that's interesting. So, how much of a how much of a role do you think that that played then? in really propelling you to the next step if you will
1: looking for a phrase i thought one
0: was just going to come out but i opened my mouth <laughs> and that's all that
1: came out yeah i mean for me it was really really it was really integral in my journey and you know now that we have online marketing which was a different space at the time so oh yeah, oh, yeah. you know that was like so 10 years ago it was like 2006 Um, the internet looked very different. So I don't know if I would still advise that people find clients by going to chamber of commerce, commerce events, but being just forced to talk to people, being forced to ask questions, being forced to just come up to people and introduce yourself. I mean, those are all really important skills for entrepreneurship. You know, the whole getting used to rejection, it's, it's completely true. I think that's really important for being an entrepreneur. So, uh, for me, I think it was really important and, and I'm really glad that I did it.
0: Well, that's what I was curious about and not so much specifically the go to Chamber of Commerce events as a tactic mm-hmm. or anything along those lines, but more so just being exposed to different people that are already in, you know, in their businesses and running their businesses and have done it for a period of time and then having to go through the, I don't know, trials and tribulations of uh, that that have a tendency to go along with business. And, and it sounds like that was a big big deal for you how how else did you or maybe even a better question is were there any other ways that you exposed yourself to the that continuous rejection because i i agree that's something that has to be there with any business Mm. whatsoever how else did you how else did you i don't know front those waters
1: yeah i mean so the, the nature of the business was that you give proposals and then sometimes they're accepted and sometimes they're rejected. So, you know, the way it would work is I would meet someone and then we would get to the stage where I'd give them a proposal. We'd usually have an in-person meeting where I present it um, and then they would say yes or no. And, you know, a lot of a lot of people said no. I mean, in retrospect, I'm like, it's amazing anyone say yes. I had like one year experience. <laughs> I probably should have gone with someone more experienced. But I, I, did, I did get work for them. Um, so yeah, so I definitely got a lot of no's. Um, you know, I can remember one, it was, it was some kind of dog business, like maybe, um, like pet sitting, but kind of a bigger business in Chicago. And I really liked the owner. I was really excited to get the work because it was a, it was a bigger contract with several websites and it was going to be, you know, like, three or four months of income for me. And I remember when that one was a no, I was just like, oh, this is terrible, this sucks. You know, I thought this is kind of what I was betting on. But then I remember I also kind of realized, and this is normal, you know, I can't be devastated every time someone says no, that's, that's just a certain percentage of how it's gonna happen. And it, just the type of business that it was doing, you know, basically face-to-face sales uh, was just a great forcing function for seeing like yeah you just have to talk to a lot of people some of them say yes some of them say no you can't just sh- shut down and quit the first time someone says no
0: that's that's really interesting the um i guess you're making me think you're making me think back to my first business my first business was in the construction industry i was a painter so like the bane of the construction industry <laughs> even and yeah i mean kind of go through that that same thing and i at first I don't know, the first thirty first thirty people that ended up quoting or making proposals or whatever, then it really felt like that. It really felt like, oh my goodness, this guy is falling. How could how could they say no? And, right. and for me, I was like twenty one or something, so it was a wonder, same deal. Like it's a wonder yeah. anybody paid in me anything. <laughs> but I'm I'm curious what you know, for people we've got a lot of people listening, HTY series that want to start a business or have only recently started a business, what, what would you tell them that might be unexpected, or that maybe doesn't get enough play when we talk about heading down that track?
1: I think you just have to be really realistic about how you're spending your time. So something that I tell myself a lot you know, then and now, a phrase that I really love is, is you reap what you sow. And it's just a good reminder that the work you put in today is exactly what determines, you know, what's going to happen tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now. And especially in the climate now, you know, in some ways I'm very lucky that it was kind of before the whole online business thing, because it's really easy now to kind of like mess around online (laughs) and feel like you're making some sort of progress uh, towards your business, you know, because you're like, well, I'm blogging and like blogging is marketing and, and that's true. But also you really have to be realistic of like, okay, how is writing this blog post going to get me a client tomorrow? Um, and especially if you're in a service business, which I think is a really great—you know—you started there. I started there. Service businesses are awesome because you can get money in the door from day one. You know, you do work for someone and they pay you. So I just think it's a great model to start with. Um, and I'm sure a lot of listeners have service businesses as well. You know, you have to talk. You have to talk to people and and get that yes or no. You can't just blog. You can't just Instagram and do all those things that can be fun, but aren't always so directly related to the sale. They're kind of marketing maybe as you grow, but not directly sales. So I just think that's, that's really important. Really looking at how you're spending your time. You know, I love just writing down a list of where, uh, you find your clients and you'll find a lot of them are referrals. A lot of them are word of mouth. I mean, talking to people and meeting people is just always going to be incredibly important for any business.
0: So what what happened next for you after after that business? What was what was the next step along the way for you?
1: So the next step was moving into social media. So social media started to become a thing in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Um, you know, Twitter came out in maybe two thousand seven. Facebook pages came around in maybe yeah. two thousand eight, two thousand nine. Uh, expand pages when they started. And so because I was making websites for my clients, I would also, you know, tell them how to get traffic to their website, talk about what type of content was going to be on their website. I just thought, that's what you did when you made someone a website. I didn't know that like designers don't really do that. I just thought, well, I should help them (laughs) with their business and help them with their website. So basically what I I was doing without knowing it was advising people about online marketing. And when social media started to become a thing, my clients would be like, you're young, you're on Twitter, <laughs> you seem to understand what's going on. And I was like, well, yeah, I do. I'll tell you about it. And, and more and more people kept telling me, wow, you know, people would pay you just just to teach them about social media. And I thought, that sounds like a sweet gig. <laughs> that sounds so much easier than building websites for people. Um, and, and that's how that transition started. I was kind of, I was kind of tired of web design, I didn't want to build an agency. And I saw that, if I wanted to keep growing my income, um, I would need to build an agency. There was only so much I could do as a as freelancer and I just like didn't want to build a design agency. So I thought, okay, I need to find some other career, um, so I'll start doing social media consulting and that, that quickly turned into um, social media products, online video courses, which is the LKR social media business, which is what I did from 2009 to 2015.
0: Hey, I just want to cut in here and tell you that we've been getting so many questions from our listeners about how to actually use your strengths to get hired, how to career change with them, that we put together the ultimate guide to using your strengths to get hired. And I want you to be able to take advantage of it because in this guide, we actually go through and talk about how strengths operate differently than what you think they do and why they can be one of the keys to doing work that you love and how you can actually do that. Plus, we talk about four specific ways to get started immediately. Identify what we call your signature strengths, and then even how to represent those strengths in the interview process. And and, and we go into how, how to answer some of the most common questions that you would get to. So if you want all that and a whole bunch more, there's a lot packed into this uh, into this guide. We can send it over right away. All you have to do is text my strengths. That's strengths plural. My strengths, no space, plural to 44222. We'll ask you for what your email address and where you want us to send it, and then we'll pop it right over. That's it. That's all you have to do. My strengths. Go ahead and text that to 44222. So I think so many people have that very similar thing that you just talked about where we've got a number of somebody saying, you know, Mm -hmm. you could just do this. What, What caused you to stop ignoring that was it just hearing it a number of times what 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 caused you to actually take action on that
1: I think I just thought why not you know kind of it goes it goes back to the You reap what you sow because this is another thing. I see a lot in entrepreneurs. They'll be like Well, I do local events, but I you know, I really hate them. They really stress me out I don't want to do them anymore. And so it's like well, okay, then then stop doing don't like, do it, <laughs> Right, what? you know, I mean it sounds easy for me to sit here and say on this podcast, we all know it's, it's hard to do it yeah. in practice, but you really have to question like what fantasy, if I hate doing local events, like I'm, I'm gonna have to stop at some point, right? Like, do I just want to do them my whole life? If the answer is no, I have to stop at some point, why would I do them for another year? Why don't, why don't I just stop them now? Um, and of course the reason you don't just stop them now is because you're scared and you don't know what's coming next and blah, blah, blah. But you have to face the reality that, okay, that's always that's always gonna be the reality you know, it's always going to be scary and you're always going to have to do something new. So why not just do it today instead of keep suffering for years and years. So that's kind of what I thought. I thought, well, if I know I don't really want to have a design business anymore, I mean, I have to switch to something at some point. So may as well give this a shot. And, and the worst that can happen, right, is I'll go back to doing design or I'll get a I'll get a job you know god forbid like (laughs) it's just funny how that's that's often like the worst case scenario it's like well getting a job like that's not that bad
0: (laughs) but i think we make it into something more whatever it is whatever it is that's scaring us i think it until we go to that worst case scenario and really think it through then it is like oh my goodness what is going to happen i don't even i can't do that yeah what what do you what do you do when you get to that type of place, it, how do you how do you get through those fears, if you will?
1: Well, I really love thinking about the worst case scenario, which might which might sound weird, um, but I find that if you actually think about it, it's usually much better than you had sort of feared. I mean, like I said, you know, getting getting a job could be the worst case scenario, or you know, I know for myself and most people listening, we have some kind of friends and family that we could stay with if we lose our house, right? Like. For most of us, are privileged and lucky enough to be in that position that we are not going to be homeless, you know, for a very long time. We have we have lots of safety nets to fall on. So, you know, for me, yeah, the worst worst scenario is always like, well, I have to move back in with my parents. Like they're nice people, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that, that's not the worst thing in the world. And now thinking about decisions I make now. So we actually just changed um, the pricing for Edgar for the first time since launch. We raised the price. I saw that. Yeah, so, so that's a scary decision, right? You're like, what if no one thinks it's worth <laughs> the new price? What if they would only pay the old price? And I just kind of walked through, okay, what are gonna be the real pros and cons of changing the price? What's the worst thing that can happen if we change the price? And I, I kind of thought through, okay, the absolute worst thing that can happen if we change the price is we'll put up the new price, you know, conversions will absolutely tank, like no one will sign up for Edgar anymore, which has not happened for the record. Um, And if if that happens, if no one signs up for Edgar anymore, it will just be like, never mind, it's the old price, (laughs) you know? (laughs) I mean, I guess, like, we might lose, like, some amount of trust in the marketplace. But, I mean, who cares? Everyone's just happy to have it at a cheaper price, you know? The people who paid the higher price would just be like, never mind, you're getting it cheaper now. So that's not really that bad. Like, I guess it's sort of, I don't know, mildly embarrassing maybe, but it's not going to... It's not going to send the business under. It's not. So world I think it, yeah. right, right. I think it's really helpful to actually walk through, like, okay, and then what, and then what, and then what. What's really, what's really the worst that can happen?
0: So, what prompted you to to start this business then? So now, now we're all the way down the road, if you will, <laughs> or almost to current. How, how did this come about for you?
1: So, so Edgar came as a very direct result from. Uh, Uh, Training product that I was doing you actually can still access that product. It's free now. It's called social brilliant Um, if you google social brilliant, you'll find it. So it was a class (laughs) It was a class teaching uh, the methodology that I was using to organize uh, Social and that methodology was creating this giant spreadsheet with columns for your different categories of social media using batching to fill up those columns and then deciding kind of what ratios of the different types of content you wanted um, in your social channels. And you'd have to copy and paste from the spreadsheet into your social scheduling tool. So it was a really effective method. Um, but there was just a lot of like grunt work involved in copying and pasting, and you just have to do it over and over again. So the whole idea was you'd write, you know, 50 inspirational quotes. You can just keep cycling through those 50, you know, you don't need to write a new one every day just have a spreadsheet of 50, go down the spreadsheet. When you get to the bottom, go back to the top. Um, But you had to copy and paste everything into the tools. Uh, If you had an image, you know, that was like a disaster with a spreadsheet. So there was all this grunt work that you had to do. And I was kind of telling my husband about it. And I kind of thought that it wasn't possible for the tools to do these things because I thought, well, this is such an obvious idea. I mean, just keeping a library of your content. Why, you know, don't and didn't the other social tools do that? It just, it just seems so strange to me that I thought, I guess it's not possible. And so I was kind of telling this to my husband. So my husband is a, a web developer, a Ruby on rails developer. Yeah. And he was just like, well, I could build that in a week. <laughs> and I was like, what? What? <laughs> um, any developer listening, by the way, knows that this is like a classic developer. Like they think they can build everything oh, yeah. in a week. Oh yeah. Really, like, a year. Um, but that's really how the whole thing got started is, yeah, it's like, well, yeah, like, let's, let's do it. Um, let's, let's make this a business. Let's, let's see what happens because people were already paying. So now the class is free, but people, it was a paid class and people were paying just to learn the methodology and they still had to do all the grunt work. So I thought, well, if they'll pay just to learn how to do it, surely they'll pay for software just to have it totally automated and, and done for them. So that's how we decided to launch Meet Edgar. Um, in July,
0: 2014. That is awesome. I I actually didn't fully realize the entire story behind that. That's cool. Yeah. The, uh, along the way I am, I'm curious how you think about some of this stuff now, because, you know, I mentioned earlier, we've got a whole bunch of people listening that are kind of on the, on the forefront of, of that. They're at the, they're, they're like Laura way back at the beginning Mm -hmm. and you know, what, what maybe they've got the big company in mind and everything like that, but you don't go right to the big company.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't go right to 20 people. We've got, we've got seven right. people on our team and like, it's taken us, I don't know, a couple of years to be able to get here. Oh. Right. And it, it doesn't just happen overnight necessarily. So I'm right. curious, what, what advice would you give them as they're starting out, as they're getting into this and even just getting going in the first place?
1: Well, I think, you know, it's so hard now because you read all these stories of like these cool startups with millions of funding and, you know, huge amounts of employees. And that's what I'm grateful for, for when I started just meeting local business owners, you know, like owning a local, like one of my early mentors owned a lingerie shop in the suburbs of Chicago. Uh, That's not a cool business, you know, like she's not getting written up on, on the cover of Entrepreneur. But, like, she knew her stuff. She'd been running a business for 20 years. Like, keeping a retail business open for 20 years is not easy, you know? You, you have to really know what you're doing. And I think sometimes we get caught up thinking, like, uh, you know, people talk about 7 figures so much, like, I have to have a six-figure or seven-figure business. Um, and, yeah, that's probably not going to happen in year one because you just don't have the skills yet. I mean, something that's so just weird about the startup world, I think part of the reason that so many startups fail, you know, the whole idea is like, we're going to fund 500 of them. And then a quarter of one is going to be Uber. And it's actually going to make it. I mean, the typical model for funding a startup is that you are funding like a first time entrepreneur, first time founder, first time CEO, and like, you just don't know what you're doing yet. You know, like, it's, it's taken me 10 years to, to learn a lot of these things. So I just hope that people would not compare themselves to these like, glitzy stories or, or stories like mine where you're talking to me 10 years down the road, you know, like, right. I have a team of 20 now, but it's, it's, it's taken a while and, and some people do it faster and that's awesome. But it's also okay to aim for, you know, my first year in business, I wanted to make $30,000 because that's how much I made at my old job. So that was such a huge accomplishment when I made that happen. So it's like, wow, I can support myself at the same level working for myself. That was a really, really great place to start, so I just you know I think there's this pressure to kind of feel bad if if you're not making six figures um you know if if you can make like fifty thousand dollars a year and support yourself like that's that's great. you get to work for yourself it's it's not a bad thing, and maybe later if that's what you want, you'll have a bigger company or maybe not
0: what what does this has kind of surprised you along the way as as you've gotten into? This latest company for you, and you what what did you think that you wanted out of it that maybe you found along the way that uh, you ended up going a different direction or, or didn't want?
1: Well, you know, people talk about um, how stressful it is managing a team and you know having a team of people. And actually, so my dad is an architect um, and he's self-employed, and for a while he had employees. And then, like, he hated it. And then he loved just working on his own. Yeah. You know, so he would kind of tell me that he's, like, never have employees. Like, they're <laughs> a nightmare. Like, you know, he had people steal from him. He had, like, every horrible thing happen that can happen. And a lot of people will tell you that. So I, I kind of had that idea. Um, but I find, for me, like, the larger the team grows, the the easier it gets in a lot of ways. Um, and that makes sense, right? Because I don't have to do very much. <laughs> because other people are doing everything. You know, now we're large enough that we have managers for departments. So I'm not making any day to day decisions. They're making all the decisions for their own department. Um, a lot of the like boring logistical stuff that you have to do to run a business when you're starting out. Like we have an operations team. I don't have to do any of that stuff. I get to move more and more into just what's really fun for me. And this team of 20 amazing people is what allows me to do that. So i found for me having a team is, is really not stressful or scary. I mean, like there's, there's people issues that you have to deal with. Um, but I think, you know, a year ago, 20 people just sounded like such a huge number to me. Um, and now that I'm here, I can imagine what it's like to have a company of 40 people, which that just seems like I would never get there before.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Where, where did you, uh, was it in this business or a different business where you brought on your first person?
1: My first full-time employee was in the um social media training business, but it w- it's always been very gradual. I started yeah. with, you know, an assistant for a few hours. It took me many years before I got my first W2 employee. Um and LKR the training business was never nearly this big. It was like, I don't know, maybe 5 or 6 people at the largest, and some of them were freelancers. Like having um 20 full-time people is is new, <laughs> very new. <laughs>
0: I, I used to work in HR for a lot of years, so the people thing is, and I've heard you, I've heard people say the same thing over again, like never hire employees. Mm-hmm. But isn't it's not really new for me? So it's interesting to hear you say that, and I can totally see why some people wouldn't want to have employees. But I'm glad, so glad that uh, that you found it to be the opposite because I don't think it has to be that way. Yeah,
1: and I mean, it's it's really it, you have to hold your team to such a high standard like when we hire it takes us so long to hire people and it's so frustrating because every person we hire has to be a great culture match and a great skills match you know and they had to have worked remotely like it's a small pool of people and it can be frustrating and it can be like why are we so picky you know we've (laughs) we've been interviewing for four months but maintaining a culture where everyone really enjoys going to work every day and where i can just say like yeah everyone on my team is awesome um, you know, because I meet with entrepreneurs, like I met with someone last week and he was just like, you know, complaining about his staff and saying, Oh, there's always drama and there's always all these problems. Like, I don't want to do this if it's not if I don't enjoy the people that I work with. Like I can find plenty of jobs where I don't enjoy the people that I work with. <laughs> you know, the whole perk of having your own company is that you get to you like get to everyone.
0: Choose. Yeah. Right. Like right. it's your own dang fault if you don't like who you're working with.
1: Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> who chose those people? So, you know, we're really picky about who we work with and, and I just genuinely enjoy spending time with everyone at our company.
0: That's cool. Absolutely love that. And thank you so very much for taking the time and making the time in the first place and kind of letting me go through every single bit of your story along the way. This is, this is something I think our, our listeners will really enjoy. And um, I've enjoyed the conversation. Hey, thank you so much for for being here. I really, really appreciate it. And where where can people find out either more about Meet Edgar, or where can they where can they get more Laura?
1: Yeah, so you can find Meet Edgar at meetedgar.com. dot uh, You can find me on Twitter at lkr or a blog at my name Cool.
0: And we are unofficially off. Hey, All thank right. you. Seriously, I I do really appreciate it uh, and. Uh, not a problem on rescheduling at all. How, how else can I be helpful to you?
1: Well, I don't really, what, what's your business? I don't know what you do besides this podcast. <laughs> I probably should have started
0: that, started with that. We, uh, we help people make big career changes. So okay. that really kind of dovetails into, into three different pieces. A lot of people roll through our door cause they're trying to figure out what they want to do with their life. They know that mm-hmm. they're, uh, they're often professionals ranging from key contributors to like, uh, you know, C-suite where they, they've been doing something for a period of time or fallen into a job and you know, something's happened in the last 18 months. They, they want to do something different. So we help them identify what that is in a lot of cases mm-hmm. and make those career changes. So we either help them make uh, big job changes or start businesses.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, the most helpful thing you can do for me is honestly, you know, tell people that you love Meet Edgar. <laughs> Um can, You know, it's, it's great that. to talk to, to someone who's, uh, who's a customer.
0: Do you, do you meet many of your customers?
1: Sometimes, sometimes I like, so we'll have company, uh, like company meetups. Um, and sometimes we'll host a little like customer meetup in the city that we're in. Um, it's really fun because the developers get to talk to the customers, which they almost never do. And I think it's like really gratifying for them to be like, Oh, real people use this software.
0: (laughs) I I didn't think (laughs) about that until when, actually when I was down in Austin. So I went over and, um, met noah kagan in person at Mm. you know at their at their place and he's like yeah we never get customers in here (laughs) let me show you around here like let's go meet the team and stuff and i didn't really think about that it's like yeah we only see emails and yeah most people never interact with us so yeah come on in tell the tell the developers your story so yeah
1: it, it would probably honestly it's probably something that i should make a point to do more often because it's always really it's really fun and it does make it just more real like to have people that i can visualize for how they're using the software and how it's helping their business and, and all that stuff
0: well if you keep making it really good i will keep telling people about it deal? <laughs> it's a deal all right hey so great to uh meet you again, again. Or for the first time <laughs> and uh yeah I, I very much appreciate it we'll uh, we'll send this out to you i think we're about let's see we're about three months out roughly give or take yeah. Um, and then you'll get an email from Kirby when, uh, just before it's going to go live and then we'll, uh, get it live.
1: Oh, we'll put it in Edgar. He'll send it out over and over again
0: and over and over. (laughs) Sweet deal. Thanks, Laura. Very, very much. Okay. Have a great one. Bye. If you're ready to take the leap and transition out of your current career, but aren't sure where your next career move is, check out our free eight-day course to figure out what fits you, just like Laura did. And I want you to know that there's two ways that you can go and get it. One is you can go over to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. Or you can text HAPPEN to 44222. HAPPEN, H-A-P-P-E-N, to 44222. 222 and we will make it happen for you by sending you that eight-day course eight-day mini course helps you get started it's pretty cool we've had thousands geez we've had oh my goodness we've had close to 10,000 people through through that uh that mini course now that I think about it that's crazy that was uh totally on the spot didn't mean to say all that but just had that realization so go over and check it out and make it let's make it hit that 10,000 mark and go to 10,001 why not awesome Helped a lot of people. So I also got to say thank you. Thank you so much because we've had we've had a lot of people that have taken the time to to leave us reviews on iTunes and ratings on iTunes and also Stitcher Radio and a couple other places too. And that means an awful lot partially because it kind of well, it warms our heart to be able to get uh, get your feedback. And we appreciate a really, really honest review. And that's super, super cool. But also at the same time, it helps other people find the show. So I, I, I'm going to read one of them. This one's from Nicole Matheson. It's a five-star review that says, prepare to create meaningful change. This podcast changed my life. Listening to the inspiring stories of others, hearing Scott's advice, and finally seeing that there is no one way that fits all to a career in life. It really motivated me to take action and create change. I can't express enough how impactful Happen your career truly is and how valuable these insights are. Scott provides a platform that allows you to take the time to really figure out what best fits you because that is the most important thing you can do for yourself and your future. Nicole, you are awesome. I've seen some of the change that you've made in your life and I really, really appreciate you, you taking the time to leave a leave a review and I'll also say that it's not just me, it's the entire team that, uh, that that helps get this stuff out there for you every single week and all of the free tools and everything else that we do as a, as a business and as a podcast. So really appreciate that. Thanks so much. All right. So we've got, we've got some fun stuff coming up next week on happen to your career. But before we get into that, I just want to tell you really, really quickly that this is, this is going to be, this is actually a really fun week for me because when this, when this episode airs and goes live, then I'm actually going to be on um, just getting ready to go on a, on an airplane, my family and I, we've had this goal for about a year and a half or so, uh, 18 months or so that we wanted to be able to go spend a significant chunk of time living in another country. And we decided on, we wanted to spend that time in Portugal and Paris. And actually we're going to, this is more recent development, but we're going to actually take a short trip, really short, uh, jaunt over to the UK and go to London for, for just a bit too. So we're going to be gone for a little over six weeks and we are super excited about it but the reason i'm telling you the reason i'm telling you this is uh not because not because you know um you should be happy for us although we're gonna have a ton, a ton of fun so don't don't worry about us we'll be fine but instead this is something that uh, that we've been thinking about for a very long time and working to make happen it's also something that if you would have asked me maybe seven years ago I would have told you it was impossible and there's no way, I mean, and there's a billion different obstacles. First of all, you know, we're going to be in a completely different country and we're going to, we pulled the kids out of school for, you know, that period of time. And we had so many people ask us, Hey, well, you can't just do that. You can't just like pull them out of school. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, all the teachers told them, told us that because we talked to every single one and said, hey, which homework should we take? What should we be teaching them? Everything else. Alyssa used to be a teacher, so we figured maybe we'd do some homeschooling. Every single one of them said, oh, yeah, it's no problem. It's totally fine. The school said, oh, yeah, it's totally fine. Uh, they're going to learn more there than they're going to learn in school anyways. And while I believe that to be true, I didn't anticipate that it would be that easy. So just, just by making the decision that we were going to do this. Over a year and a half ago, that allowed us to be able to continue to work towards this to actually make it happen. So, whatever is impossible, whatever's going on that uh, that you view as impossible, that you've always wanted to do in your life, you can actually make it happen. It might feel impossible right now. It might actually legitimately be impossible right this very second to do, but that doesn't mean it won't be in two weeks or you know a, a year or a year and a half or whatever else. And this is going into the new year and we're doing a ton of thinking about goal setting for this year and even talking about years beyond that, as far as things that Alyssa and I really want to be doing, spending our time on, um, making an impact in, and you know, we've realized that it's all stair steps. It really truly is. It's all stair steps and you build on each piece. So if there's something that you really want to do, even though it might seem impossible in the moment. You can absolutely make it happen, but you have to make the hard and bold decision to do it, even if it's scary, because that's step one. All right. So go out, make a bold and difficult decision for something that you've wanted to do for a very long time and, and decide that you're, you're going to do it and then engage the people in, in your life to figure out what the small steps are that are going to add up do you allowing it to allowing you to be able to make that happen over the long run? All right. If I can be of any help with that, or my team can be any of any help in that don't hesitate to let us know. This is, this is <laughs> what we love to do. Help people make big life change. So uh, by the way, on that note, if you happen to live or be around in, in London uh, or the, uh, or Portugal kind of around Lisbon, you know, within about an hour or so of Lisbon or France, and you're a listener. We're trying to meet as many listeners as we possibly can, so we we would love to meet you if timing works out and everything. Don't hesitate to drop me an email or Alyssa an email, and if it's at all possible that it can work, then we will uh, we will we will make it happen because we we like to make things happen around here. So yeah, all right, we would love to meet you. And thanks so much for listening. I do want you to take a listen to what's next week on Happen to Your Career.
1: That question is probably the thing that gave me the most just worries and sleepless nights when I was starting my business because if you don't have a corporate title or something that people can very easily put into a box, it's really difficult to describe what you do without getting that glazed over look from people who when they ask that question for the most part just want you to say, I'm in business development or I do sales and and what I do is a little bit more complicated than that.
0: That's right. All that and plenty more next week. It's here on Happen to Your Career. I will see you next week when the episode releases on Monday. All right. I am out. Adios. (laughs)